Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Feminist Futures. I'm your host Wallace Grant. I hope you're all doing well and coping with whatever level of lockdown you are in. We're about a week away from Christmas now and I'm really looking forward to some downtime and I hope you're able to do that as well. I'm so excited as this week is the first episode of our series which is on sustainable fashion. Um, For it I'm joined by the wonderful Erin O'Brien. Erin is a slow fashion advocate and founder of the Fair Fashion Project, a social media platform encouraging the masses to educate themselves on the detrimental impacts of the fashion industry. Erin has a lot of really brilliant insight and it's just really interesting to talk to about this topic as she's been on a personal journey to transition to slow fashion and she has some great tips on how to do that as well. I really wanted to tackle this topic because over the last few years we've seen a rise in this sort of fast fashion feminism, this girl boss empowerment um, packaged on a t-shirt or tote bags but the reality of it is that these clothes are made by a majority female workforce in the global south working in really terrible conditions for abysmal pay with little or no working rights. And, and it's something on a personal level I've been wanting to change my habits and move towards um, slow fashion. So I wanted to get into the ins and outs of it, particularly from a feminist point of view. In this episode, we talk about how education and starting early in schools may be the key to tackling some of these habits and giving people more knowledge about how the industry actually works. We talk about the need for legislation that tackles greenwashing and explore the possibility of community-based rental services where you could walk to higher address for a special event. We finish the podcast by talking about how, as an individual, it can often feel daunting to start this process, but even if you, say, decided not to buy three fast fashion items a year, that's working towards something, and it can really help with creating habits and finding new and creative ways to find secondhand clothing, but also how to advocate for a sole fashion industry as a whole and for our future. I'll be posting any of the resources that we talk about in today's podcast on the Instagram, which is at Feminist Features Pod. And as always, if you've got any feedback or you'd like to um, carry on the discussion, please, please comment on the post and we can take it from there. Enjoy. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm really excited to talk about this topic um, and um, I've been thinking about how can I on an individual level kind of start to be more sustainable and more ethical with the choices I make and not get dragged in by Instagram adverts which is what lockdown has definitely done to many of you know myself included and friends. Um, But what I wanted to start with today was um, I saw this really interesting report. Um, It was actually an NFT article but it was from um, this analytics company called edited and they said that over the past four years the number of clothes and accessories being described as sustainable has quadrupled in the US and the UK I wondered if you could give us a short definition of what you think sustainable fashion is to you and if the use of this word um, or the kind of prevalence of this word being used now it actually reflects sustainability in the industry yeah sure I'm like first of all thanks for having me I think In terms of sustainability, just even as a word, I think that has 
a different meaning for everyone. Um, and I think the concept of sustainability, um, you know, can be interpreted in so many different ways. And I think it's become such a buzzword. And I think you'll hear a lot of people saying that. And a lot of companies have jumped on the back of a trend, essentially. So I'm not surprised about those numbers that, um, you know, that the amount of brands now using or calling themselves sustainable has risen like that's not surprising at all also edited amazing platform during uni and it's great for market analysis so yeah if anyone can get kind of like um if they're at university or even through their work if they can get a subscription for free definitely recommend that um if they're doing any sort of research um but i guess like in terms of sustainability for me um I constantly come back to the word like sustain. So the way I consume clothes, I'm thinking of how I can, um, sus- yeah, you know, sustain my consumption. If I'm buying something, I mean, nowadays I don't buy anything new or like it's very rare that I'll buy something new. And I'm even if I'm buying something secondhand, I'm, I'm thinking, will this last in my wardrobe for years and years on end? Um, and kind of being really, true and you know trying to get down to the crux of if I do genuinely need that item and I think in terms as well of um you know garment workers and the social aspects of sustainability you can kind of use that as well so can these people sustain themselves in the jobs that they're doing so I think for me sustainability is kind of around the longevity of um you know good practice and how we consume clothes in a nutshell I guess. (laughs) No I think that makes a lot of sense it was quite interesting actually when I was reading just uh, doing some research is that lots of people were saying as as you said sustainability means something completely different and maybe that's sort of part of the problem is that there's not really this kind of core um, definition that people can look at. I think maybe then to sort of turn it onto the head you know what is what is unsustainability like what what does an unsustainable fashion look like I mean we're talking a week and a half from Black Friday and I know that you, you did some posts on the on the Fair Fashion Project about um the it was a pretty little thing wasn't it just like an like yeah. an 8p Black yeah. Friday dress the thing that gets me is that we're seeing this increase in brands and um you know consumers being more aware of sustainability but it feels like that's not actually trans into action is that something you would agree with yeah I, I would definitely say that and I think there is a massive movement that you know in the past six months I've even become a part of and before that I wouldn't even have known had existed online you know there's such a, a massive online community for sustainable fashion now and it just seems to be growing and I think that's great and in terms of um you know online social media campaigns like the pay up campaign um, fashion revolutions campaign as well I think that there's such a drive for sustainable fashion but then on the flip side you've still got people that don't know anything about it and are still you know taking things for face value and and don't really don't necessarily look between the lines of fashion and what they're consuming with for example you know this idea of the 8p dress anyone who has like a sort of vague understanding of how um you know fair pay works you know or or just generally the kind of as you said like sustainability for people who are making um the clothes and earning a fair wage yeah. and stuff there's no way that the company's losses are going to make up for that dress being ep you know what i mean like plenty little thing or you know not just them but others as well 
are not going to um, have enough money in the bank to cover and make fair wages. But it feels like people are either, as you said, not educated enough on it or they're mm. kind of turning it, turning a blind eye. And I think I wanted to kind of come on to particularly to talk about the sort of garment workers, because when I was thinking about um the sort of fashion from a like a feminist angle or why it's important in terms of that I want to kind of split out into two different things and the first one is that predominantly the workers who make clothes are um women and they're women from the global the global south I mean the stats I saw some of these on 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 your post you know 80 percent of garment workers are female with globally less than two percent earning a living wage I mean I don't know if you just in terms of your kind of reading and understanding what kind of conditions are these women living and working in do you have a kind of sense of that yeah I think I think it's um it's good to note as well that you know like the statistics that you've read and um you know I think it's good to remember that 80 percent are women and less than two percent globally and a living wage but I think it's it's great to note that that's just the surface of it all and I think we need to remember the unsanitary working conditions um, the gender-related violence that goes on, the racism in the workplace, um, these are all contributing factors to, you know, the overall injustice of garment workers. I haven't really had first-hand experience, you know, I've, I've watched the documentaries and I've read the articles and, um, you know, listened to the podcasts and, you know, you, you can get a general sense that things are really bad. Um, the closest that I've ever got was actually at the beginning of this year, I went on a university trip to India and we went to Mumbai and we were taken round the largest slum in in Mumbai. Um, actually, I think it's the largest slum in India and it's uh, called the Diwari slums. And it was a bit strange, to be honest, because we were kind of taken on like a guided tour of the slums, which I just found a bit it's problematic I don't know, it was, itself yeah I understand yeah. yeah um but our tour guide anyway was telling us about the workers in in the slums and they would get paid as little as I think it was three dollars a day wow. and then there was a section where they would burn plastic uh, we weren't allowed to go there because it was detrimental to our health which says it all um and our privilege um, but the people that worked where the section of the slums where plastic was being burned, they got $4 a day. Wow. So people were basically, um, I guess, commuting in from further afield to basically work for an extra dollar a day. And put their health at risk, you know, in, in the meantime yeah. of doing that. Yeah. No, I yeah. just wanted to bring it up because I think what's difficult and and you know obviously not, neither of us have experienced firsthand or you know are from from these areas but I think what we often forget is like as you said you see these stats but then it's the conditions behind them so some of the stuff that I was reading were like you know people working 14 to 16 hours a day you know when there's big orders them not being you know working till two and three in the morning sometimes sleeping in these places you know unsanitary having no working rights and that kind of thing and that is the kind of background and that's the conditions that are there allow us to then have cheap clothes in the west right or in the in the global yeah. north um and i think what's re- what's also really interesting is that this week we're seeing um arcadia which obviously is like top shops the big one in there and is it dorothy perkins as well and a few others yeah yeah you know we're seeing that go into administ- administration and 
what was interesting reading the coverage was it is that there's 13,000 jobs at risk in the UK and predominantly those workers are also female um and you've got Philip Green who sits at the top of this as you know one of the most kind of well-known uh he's a billionaire I think yeah or definitely (laughs) yeah he's a billionaire up there yeah I was doubting myself and I was like no no you know it's 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 really interesting as you said these kind of gender dynamics you know so not only have we got it on the kind of global scale where we see women global north buying clothes at a really cheap rate that is predominantly made by women in you know the global south in kind of terrible conditions but then on the scale here you've got this kind of you know, CEO at the top, this man who's probably going to come out of this unscathed and you've got 13,000 jobs in a sector predominantly filled with women is at risk. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I just I just thought it was interesting. I know it's like you've kind of touched on that a little bit in some of your posts mm. about the kind of gender dynamics there. Um, yeah, I think as well, you know, it's it's the, um, the I guess, feminist futures, like talking about, you know, false feminism in fast fashion as well and you know going back to Chris Little Thing and I think Philip Green is guilty of this their whole brand and the way they like to portray their business is all based on female empowerment it's it's that kind of female empowerment that is really plugged through their entire business but then at the bottom they've got women that can't even afford to feed their children so And it almost, it has women exploiting yes. women. Yeah, and I think that's that's something that I, I think, even though fashion obviously is consumed by both genders, I think when you think about the marketing and the time and resources that goes into marketing to women, it's crazy. I, I found a stat and I, I couldn't find it. Um, to Maybe you can help me with qualifying, but it was showing just how much the, it was like billions that the fashion marketing like industry is worth so not even like fashion but like the actual marketing industry is worth Mm. that much I wondered if um you think that do you feel that this is a bit of a complicated question but do you think it's also a feminist issue in that women are told they have to wear certain things or have to buy new clothes for certain um events I mean even you know I the the 30 wears rule which I've seen in a lot of different um um, articles like oh if you're not going to wear something um 30 times or or more then you shouldn't buy it and I mentioned it briefly to my boyfriend he was like wow that is so low and I in my head I was like oh that's quite you know I was thinking about a nice dress for a wedding or something and in my head you know I definitely have dresses in my wardrobe that are I've worn four or five times um do you feel that there is this pressure put on women more so than men as buyers of of kind of fast fashion yeah totally um I think to be honest the evidence is is there just in terms of um the way fashion is marketed towards women um I was actually talking to my dad last week because even if I look on the insights of my page 94% of people that either follow me or interact with my posts are women and you know we're all humans we all put clothes on our back and you know sustainability in fashion isn't isn't a female issue it is to some extent but like men can be involved in sustainable fashion as well and I think the movement is predominantly women but I feel like at times sustainability in fashion leaves men out because yeah men are kind of painted with the same 
brush a little bit when you're talking about fashion sustainability because you know a lot of the time billionaires get brought up or factory owners get brought up and um you know in that story the men are the bad guys because they're exploiting these women but I think in terms of like a full-blown movement we need to work out a way for everyone to be included in the conversation not just women and that goes with sustainability marketing as well because it is very much um a female conversation at the moment as well definitely yeah I'd agree um I just want to quickly talk about one more aspect and then we can kind of move on to painting a bit of a and hopefully a nicer more positive kind of of thing um but obviously the kind of other aspect of um fast fashion or unsustainable fashion is the impact on climate so you know a stat that I read said that the UK fashion industry is the country's fourth largest carbon emitter um and actually um some research done by the Boston Consulting uh, Group said that even though there's all this talk of kind of sustainability or moving towards you know uh, slow fashion actually they're expecting um the industry to increase by 81 percent um to, to, to 2030 so already wow. they're seeing these like this massive um increase in the kind of volume of um clothes and footwear being being made um in terms of kind of talking about it from from is, is is do you feel like the climate change angle is useful in the conversation of sustainable fashion is- yeah I think I mean even when we're talking about this topic I think both from the social aspects and the environmental aspects it is quite daunting to talk about and I think as soon as people hear the words climate change it's almost like they shut down a little bit yes. um, and there's a lot of eco anxiety that goes on um I think in terms of education for sustainable fashion, in terms of the environment, I think it's so, so important because I think people will need to realise as well, even if they are spending money with small sustainable brands, it's still it's still um, creating a carbon footprint, it's still using water, it's still, you know, it's, it's still... I don't want to say destroying the planet, but, but you know, yeah, I think if there is more information around, so at the moment, I, um, there's a, there's actually a lady who has like a business on Instagram and they're called Clever Carbon. And, um, she basically calculates the carbon footprint of normal day-to-day items. They're mainly, um, around, food items at the moment but I was in discussion with her about um maybe developing um something around clothes because I think if people actually could see the number I mean obviously it would it would have to be quite um broad because each clothing item is completely different um but even like a general gist of how much your clothing calculates in terms of carbon and then also I think people forget that like when you're wearing your clothes as well so during its lifespan it's it also has a carbon footprint when it's sitting in landfill it has a carbon footprint it it all adds together so there's so much really you know really that we can educate ourselves on in terms of the like environmental factors of of the fashion that we consume to move on and sort of to talk about this kind of vision for the future um yeah what, what, how do you say it's sort of 
we'll say five to ten we'll do kind of five to ten years because I know this is slightly longer with the others I've, I've been taking it sort of three to five years but could you just paint us a picture of how you see the industry becoming more sustainable and what that vision would look like for you I think I mean this is like a really interesting question and again it will be completely different to everyone else um you know everyone will have their own opinion on this I mean for me I would love to see more education in schools around um about our individual consumption and I guess yeah in terms of clothing and actually um you know like how we have design tech at school I mean I did anyway but almost like yeah have it part of the curriculum where you learn about different fabrics and the environmental impact of those fabrics you know I, I would just love to see that or have more people who are campaigning for slow fashion to be able to go into schools and and raise awareness for kids at a younger age and I think had I known I wouldn't have been quite as bad with the fast fashion throughout you know my teens and early 20s so I think that's really important um I would love to see the rise of made to order I think it just it makes sense um and I think even for fast fashion brands I think it could be a useful a useful thing that they could even utilize at the moment and almost have like stores like a showroom type thing and then people order and then people would literally just have to slow down they would have to decide do I actually want this because I'm gonna have to wait three to four weeks for it to arrive and just Mm -hmm. be more mindful that would be yeah so made to order would be like oh I need a new winter jacket and I could go in to a shop and look at different styles and say okay this and then they would tailor it essentially to my like size you see a lot of it with um with small clothing brands and if if they're um you know like limited collections and everything like that and it works because obviously there's less risk for waste um and then brands aren't left with all of this surplus stock that they have to discount and try and get rid of which is what we saw with pretty little thing um and then I think as well like in terms of moving forward over the next few years I would love to see more legislation around greenwashing like personally I think greenwashing is so harmful for the overall movement and even in the UK I think if we could get some sort of legislation around protecting words um you know such as sustain sustainability or green or eco-friendly have those as protected words and I think that would help to kind of eradicate all the people that are jumping on the back of a trend essentially so essentially say you know if you use the word sustainable it has to have a certain meet a certain criteria or framework yeah and that so that doesn't exist at the moment then that's not no not that that I know of when I was researching it because I I did my dissertation around ethical fashion and Mm -hmm. I did a bit on greenwashing and I think there was a bit of legislation in the states I think it's like I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it was in the nineties, and it's not really so it's, yeah. it's not really being reviewed or or it has, but it's not really taken seriously. And I think mm-hmm. even if we're just talking about it from the UK market, our government just needs to be really genuine about if they care about climate change or not. I think we just really need to see that. Yeah. 
it seems like such a small thing, doesn't it? Like in terms of legislation, it's not very. I'm trying to. It doesn't seem very controversial as a first step of saying, right, we're gonna create a framework where you can only do this. As I imagine it's kind of a bit like fair trade or like you know that that kind of thing. I'm actually quite surprised that the EU there isn't any legislation coming from the EU, considering that there's like a million legislation about whether you can call a non-meat burger a burger um there's always the french get up in arms about that sorry any french listeners <laughs> they always get up in arms about which you can call meat or dairy and that kind of thing and it's a very similar conversation yeah. isn't it like what you know actually just saying put holding a mirror up and saying is this sustainable in terms of that um i wanted to just to talk a little bit about fair pay and like creating a kind of fair pay for for garment workers i know that there are lots of different um campaigns that are for this in that kind of way I wondered your opinion on whether you think the garment industry can continue to exist if there's minimum wage introduced. Say there was legislation that said you have to pay these garment workers a, a, a fair fair pay in, in, their, in their country. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a really important question. Maybe not something that I really know the answer to myself, if I'm being totally honest. But I think you, I, I've seen this argument come up where... Um, if people move away from fast fashion too fast yeah where does that leave the garment workers um you know if everyone's decided to stop buying fast fashion tomorrow and buy from ethical sustainable brands the garment workers would be a hell of a lot worse off um so I think it needs to be a gradual shift and I think in terms of say if there was legislation around um brands having to pay a national minimum wage in the country yeah. of origin of those garment workers I just feel like the brands would find a way to find even well I guess they'd find cheaper options because they always they yeah. seem to always find the cheaper options so I think they'll almost always find a way to cut the corners and yeah I think it's then just shifting the problem elsewhere yeah I think something more would have to happen um in terms of legislation rather than just like being like you have to pay a minimum wage in that country I think it would almost have to be an overhaul I don't know what that overhaul yeah. would be but um yeah that, that that would be I guess that's my opinion it's like you can't rely on sort of the goodwill of of these industries to do it themselves yeah. there needs to be kind of structures in place yeah I think the transition thing is really interesting and actually the podcast I've done with it with um Alexa McGovern which is on um environmental justice um she talks about that this kind of like the move away from green jobs you know that that kind of thing the transition is is part of is actually the biggest problem because it's how do we sustainably using that word again you know move into um allow these workers to transition into jobs that are sustainable and that they're able to get good good pay for and it's it's interesting to to hear that some people have said, okay, well, if we completely go away from fast fashion, we're kind of losing that. But you're just propping up this bad system for for the sake of it. I wanted to kind of also just to talk a little bit about um, rental companies because I know that that's kind of become quite a big thing in your kind of vision of the future. If you see them expanding and and them growing, and just to understand if you if you think they are sustainable or or they they can be part of the of this kind of movement. Um, to be honest, I've never actually used a rental service Interesting. because okay. I haven't, I haven't realistically needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of like, if I use by rotation as an example, yeah. a lot of the, the clothes on there are like designer pieces. Yeah. Um, 
and I think a lot of people utilize um rental for like going to parties or going to events you know um so I, th I know that there are like subscription based services where people can just like pay a monthly fee and then they get they choose like a few items but I think they're quite expensive I think they're like about like 100 quid plus yeah every month and I think so it's tapping into that like exclusivity with rental services as well but I think we need to factor in as well the the environmental side of it as well with you know shipping these garments from person to person um and how it all kind of weighs up in the grand scheme of things yeah that's that's what kind of I was thinking about because it's sustainable in terms of you're not buying a new piece of piece of clothing but is that piece of clothing been made sustainably first of all <laughs> so you've got got that point and then also the kind of shipping back and forth like if you're using a new say you have a work event every Friday or something like a unit stylist and you're doing that every month does that add up and then does that sort of cancel each other out am I just am I just kind of going around in a circle and ending up at the same carbon footprint for example yeah or is it actually useful and and the the kind of question of ex exclusivity I was wondering if you know rental companies could become much more mainstream and people could use them for kind of um just everyday events or everyday everyday wearing but I think you would have to find a way of being able to do that without the sort of packaging and shipping and that kind of thing and then that would maybe have to be on a local level um, oh yeah I think it would have definitely have to be like within small communities I don't think that could be done on say like a national level yeah. because then I mean it, I know it sounds like a really random idea but like almost have like a community rental service where um it like factors in like the steps so if you could actually like walk to different people's houses and you know swap garments or um you know deliver a package and then you know however many steps um taken to deliver that parcel is like shown on an app or something like that like I think that could be quite a quite a fun idea I think that's really really great yeah I like that so um, I just come up with a business idea? yeah exactly <laughs> Beat it now that's it. don't tell anyone um but yeah, and I just wanted to quickly touch on um, the education side of things. You know, you, I think one of the things that is really difficult about moving away from fast fashion is that it's our norm. It's 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 what we're used to. It's really difficult to to to, to change behaviours and attitudes in that way. I wondered, in terms of kind of edu education and starting early, obviously, is kind of cutting off that at that point. But do you think there's a way to wean people off in a more effective way? Um, I mean, even just from your personal experience, you were saying that you used to do fast fashion and, 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 you know, I'm kind of myself included. But has there been really any kind of like really effective methods that you've used and you would like to see on a more wider scale? Oh, that's a good question. Um, in terms of the education side, I think having that education kind of absorbed into a curriculum, I think that would be like the base level of getting the information out there and I think you know even if we're talking about like veganism even having that absorbed into food tech at schools I think that would even be beneficial so I think I think that side of things is a massive massive thing but I think from a personal point of view I just went a bit cold turkey if I'm honest mm -hmm. like I I mean when I went to uni I was so kind of the reason why I started Fair Fashion Project was I did a four year uni degree in fashion buying mm -hmm. 
and it was only until the final year that there was a sustainable sustainable fashion module wow and I just thought god like if I've had to go four years and I did a buying placement as well for a high street retailer sustainability or ethics or how much people were paid was not even a topic in the office like it just wasn't even considered and I think the fact that I had to do a university degree in fashion to then get to the fourth year to even start learning about it obviously you know like I knew bits and bobs about it um I just found that so crazy again going back to like in terms of education I think that would be something that I would really like to see going forward or even try and and push for would be to have like a restructure of fashion degrees yeah um because if you're churning students through this process to eventually become like the new faces in the fashion industry but you're teaching them old really awful methods of how businesses are you know are meant to work like there's it just it's a bit mind-boggling to be honest so yeah I think sorry to bring it back because I want to kind of end and talk about some like you know we've talked a little bit about kind of legislation and what what we can do on a kind of national level and we've talked a little bit about kind of norms and, and systems changing um but yeah to bring it back onto the individual because I think the bigger the bigger restructures and the companies moving towards sustainability is pushed a lot by um consumers and marketing right and you know we've seen that with even just the way that you know if you think about the Christmas adverts this year you know we're seeing a lot more like diversity um of kind of like you know families and and, and that kind of thing yeah I wondered if um if there's anything as an individual that you think is the most useful thing to do in terms of swaying these companies so is it you know signing petitions is it emailing them is it um tweeting at them kind of doing Instagrams? is there anything any methods that you found that are useful for engaging brands on on this topic I think for consumers thinking about sustainable fashion and and wanting to change, um, you know, like everyone, you know, some people aren't comfortable with writing emails to brands. Um, So I think, you know, signing petitions is a great way to start. Um, If you don't want to put a name to what you're saying as well like I think it you know you can just sign the petition anonymously um you don't have to be at the forefront you know like yelling at these brands and and you know fighting them basically um so I think that's a great place to start I think just um like a big thing as well is just like cleansing your social media so just like finding people that um relate to your ethics and your morals and and where you kind of want to be in terms of sustainable fashion um and you know there's so many people out there at the moment that are you know showing their their thrifted outfits or you know like how they repeat clothing so those people are out there so I think it's it's um worth kind of finding your people on social media because we spend so much time looking at it so So, so um I wonder if it's about you know if the one thing people could do is to unfollow a fast fashion brand and then follow you know one oh yeah you know yeah. you know just take one off and 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 do another one you know that that would be a really easy kind of angle and as you said kind of shifting what you're learning and what you're you're understanding from yeah I think as well it's it's, it's an important point to mention is like a little goes a long way yes. um I think there's a misconception that to be a you know a conscious consumer you have to have 
a complete rebrand of yourself and everything that you buy um like even if you buy three less items of fast fashion within a year than what you would normally like you're still you're still making an impact so yeah I think for people like first starting out in looking to become more sustainable I think it's just like just start just but start small yeah and and then you know the small changes will will build up eventually and then you'll get to a point where you're kind of like oh my god I haven't, haven't bought anything new for three months let's try and do another three months exactly yeah and find other alternatives I don't think it is about you know oh I I have to buy from this ethical brand you know I have to save up my money and just buy from ethical brands like it's it's not the case like there are there are other avenues it's just I think just being a bit creative as well definitely fun it's about making it your habitual self as well you know like I think that's something in lots of different aspects of like you know if you think about you know wanting to increase your exercise or something right you start it small and then you kind of go up and I think it's similar in terms of doing those little small things and kind of not overwhelming yourself with thinking right I have to throw out everything in my wardrobe which would be unsustainable to do so please <laughs> please don't yeah. do that but please don't do that <laughs> but you know what I mean like completely go cold turkey cold turkey it's about finding places that you feel comfortable with but actually taking action I think that's for me like personally I've sort of been like on the cusp of trying to be more sustainable and then finding myself in a you know in new look and and, and buy and buying something I think it's just about kind of as you said changing your habits and saying I don't need to go into there or what do I actually need or you know is this is this actually going to make me happy as well like I think fashion often like is part of our like retail therapy is making us like happy and so I think again marketed towards women exactly so it's a complete cycle thing yeah um I just wanted to um thanks so much for the discussion that this has been such an interesting interesting podcast um and I'm really wanted to give you a chance to kind of do a plug for your project and anything else that you've got coming up um that you wanted to kind of direct people to thank you and thank you so much for my um my first podcast experience it's been (laughs) been lovely it's just like it literally just feels like a chat um yeah I think that's what's great about podcasts it's like like all the pressures off um so yeah thank you so much um I guess just guys come follow me (laughs) and let's all learn together because it's all a learning experience for all of us um you know I never claim to be an absolute expert um you know fair fashion project is a place for all of us to come and learn collectively um so yeah come come join the firm great and we'll we'll do a big plug for the fair fashion project and maybe a nice thing on this um post is that we can ask people to tell us about their tips you know like hearing people's creative ways that they are um stopping buying fast fashion or even as you said kind of tips for repairing or finding like new new clothes and new places to 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 kind of get that those like vintage clothes and things um great thanks so much that has been such a great interesting topic of conversation as always if you've enjoyed the topic and want to chat or um give us any more information about what you were saying we can find us on instagram and twitter and also on our email at feministfuturespodcast at gmail.com thanks so much Oh,